Unfound is brought to you by its supporters at Patreon, PayPal, and YouTube, along with its gracious advertisers. On this episode, I cover a bunch of topics, including the attack on Def Leppard drummer Rick Allen, updates on some of Unfound's cases, an update on the death of Nathan Millard, and some other things, including Dad Has Gone Home. I'm Ed Denzel, and this is Unfound Live for March 20th, 2023. Hello, everyone. This is Unfound Live for March 20th, 2023. I hope everybody is doing fantastically. It was an absolutely beautiful day here in Clearwater Beach, Florida. A little chilly, in fact. It's a little chilly tonight. Um, I do have uh, the sliding door. You can't kind of tell, but in the background there behind me, the um, the sliding glass door is open. So if you hear any way, I don't think this microphone is sensitive enough to capture the waves crashing way down there. The waves are about, I'm going to say, uh, 600 feet away or something like that. I, I I can hear them, but I don't know if the... Uh, microphone can pick them up, but I can hear them down there. And rarely that door is usually closed, but it's such a beautiful night. I even have the front door of my condo open, propped open, and I got this fantastic breeze uh, going through here right now. And uh, it also helps because I got a little sweated up before I started the show tonight. I was doing a little singing. I've told you I'm how I've um, I'm taking the singing course called. Uh, Ken Tamplin's Voice Academy. It's how to sing better than anyone else. It's something that I wanted to do for a long time. And I'm on lesson day about, I'm, I just told a friend of mine, Brad, that it's 50. It's probably more like day 55, something like that. And it only takes a half hour a day. And, you know, you do certain exercises every day. And uh, today I wanted to um, sing some songs and see how uh, it compares to how I used to sing these particular songs. And wow, just 50 some days in and it's a complete total difference. I wouldn't say that my range has changed. Maybe my range has gone up a little bit, but the endurance that my voice has from just a few months ago is crazy different. It's crazy, crazy different. And I'm only 50-some days in, and this whole entire program is like 300-some days. So um, I was getting a little sweated up. I sang – what did I sing? I sang um, Highway Star by Deep Purple. That is actually a song I can sing the whole way through now, no problem. In the right key, just as the recording was done in the early 70s. Uh, very, very, very close to being able to sing all of Another Thing Coming by Judas Priest. 
and I can sing all of um, Bark at the Moon by Ozzy. His voice, of course, is not as dynamic as Ian Gillen's or um, Rob Halford's, of course. But still, Bark at the Moon was one. I, I could tell you just a few months ago, uh, I would not be able to get through the whole thing. Now I can I can do it no problem. So um, I'm really excited about that. I, I just can't even begin to tell you. So I was singing a little bit, got a little moist wearing all black uh, tonight. And so I'm, I'm glad I got this breeze going through here because it's like 50-some degrees out, but it feels beautiful. How's everybody out there? So that's my day. How's everybody out there doing? I hope everybody's doing fantastically. Of course, you can tell for all you people who are watching the video, you uh, podcast people, you can't see this. But, um, of course, I'm back out here in the regular area, and I'll get into that in a moment. Let's see who is all in here now that we're almost five minutes uh, since the start time. Uh, Nephew Charles, what's going on? I hope you're doing well. I'll rock on, Charles. Rock on. Uh, Karen, Lisa says, why are so early? I've been anxiously awaiting tonight. So I've also been anxiously awaiting tonight's show too, Lisa. Hello, Deborah. Good to see you. Uh, and all you people in green, thank you for supporting this YouTube channel. Uh, if all of you, the other, the rest of you are wondering, how do those people get their names in green? It's becoming a member of this channel. You get some things that, that other people don't get. You get some things that come early. Think about signing up and getting your name in green on there that's on the join button down below uh everything 2023 look at you lisa uh i i can answer maybe some air fryer recipes a little later in fact i made a huge mistake on an air fryer recipe just within the last couple days charlotte jasmine the real what's going on the real uh we missed you last night for the think tank uh the real but it's good to see you tonight thank you for making time hello mark and indy uh, Kathy, thank you uh, for showing up. We're going to talk about Kathy here in a moment. Uh, Sheree, thank you for moderating tonight. Deeply, deeply appreciated. Hope your week's starting off well. Lisa reminds everybody, hit the like button. Yes, please hit the like button as you are watching tonight. That helps us out. Uh, not going to be in Florida in three days, but not very close. Ah, that's too bad, Lisa. Ashley, what's up? Charles says, just kicking it in Colorado. Good for you, Charles. Hello, Barbara. Fishing, what's going on? Twinkle, manager of the merchandise store. Twinkle, how are you? Uh, the Real says, we had the hottest marching days in 165 years over the weekend. Caused a bit of a migraine, so I had to give the think tank a miss. So hot, um, hot weather gives you migraines. You know, The Real, I, I haven't talked about this recently, but, you know, I don't suffer necessarily pain migraines but i get aura in my eyes once in a while but it's not brought on by heat it's brought on by certain types of light um so i at least know a little bit about it but it's not heat that does it for me it's light bouncing off particular objects at certain angles it's really weird it it doesn't happen as much as it used to but uh, sometimes I will get those sparkly stuff in front of my eyes. It'll be like 15 minutes. Kathy Twinkle. Uh, yeah. So everybody's in here. Thank you all for showing up once again. Uh, please give this live show a thumbs up. And if you are listening to this as a podcast, please give it uh, a nice rating, whatever app you are using. 
So as you can see, once again, for you video people, I am out here um, in the the room that I've been in for a while. Of course, I don't do the show over in the uh, guest bedroom anymore for a few different reasons. But moved it out here. It's been out here for a couple years. But last week, of course, I was in my bedroom because my father was here. But uh, dad woke up on Friday morning and I was still in bed. He knocked on the door and he goes, hey, Ed, I'm going. And I said, well, where are you going, dad? He goes, I'm going home. Oh, okay. And I gave him a hug and he was gone. And I haven't spoken to him since Friday. So I'm guessing he got home in one piece. Uh, His friend Dottie, nobody else has called me saying they're looking for him. So I'm I'm taking for granted that uh, he got home in one piece on Saturday evening, which does not surprise me at all. I mean, he gets around driving wherever he goes while he was here. No problems. I mean, he knows, even though he hasn't been down here that many times, he gets around just fine. I just think that um, <laughs> yeah, I surely should call. Well, he didn't call me either, Deborah. I, I, I got you, but you know, when I drive somewhere, I want to, you like when I drive driven back, uh, from Florida, um, you know, I call him, he didn't call me when he got home, but I'm, I'm sure everything's fine. Um, you know, when he gets down here, he says he's going to be for a while, but my dad gets very antsy. He's the guy that likes to get up and do things. And uh, I think he just overestimates, uh, you know, what he's going to do when he's here. Uh, Just a little too busy for him down here. A little too many cars, a little too fast moving, even though I think it's kind of slow in this area where I live. uh, To him, it's pretty fast. A lot of cars. Of course, this is like spring break time, all of it put together. And he misses his friends. He misses going down to, you know, driving here, driving there, going up to Slippery Rock, going to, for breakfast where everybody knows him and everything. Nobody knows him down here. So he's very, very much out of his element and very much how I like how I feel when I go to Pennsylvania, you know, and I'm there for a while, even though my, you know, one of my best friends of all time, uh, Brad, doesn't live too far away and everything. But you know, Brad and his wife have their own lives and everything. So, so I feel like up in Pennsylvania, like he does here. So, you know, uh, he took off and I have complete confidence in his driving abilities. Now, some of you are telling him to call. I, I, I suppose I should, but, um, I, I'll probably call him tomorrow if he doesn't call me first. Um, so there you go. So that's why I'm back out here. So since Friday, like I said, since Friday morning, uh, since then, of course, I've taken this kind of got some things back to where they were, went and put some things back in that guest bedroom where, where my dad was sleeping. And although I have to admit, my dad did a fantastic job rearranging some things, putting some things away, um, you know, organizing some few things in the kitchen that probably needed to be done. And so I really appreciate uh, him doing that. Also, he motivated me to convince the, uh, the actual people who own this condo that I need a new couch. So I'm getting a new couch later this week, but you can't see it. It's way back there in the corner, but that couch is going away, getting a new couch. And dare I say it, I'm probably going to get rid of this 
this like love seat or whatever you want to call it right here too. I really don't use it and it'll create more rooms and they're kind of old. That's one of the reasons they're kind of, they're very, very old. Once again, none of this furniture in here is mine. This desk is mine. Everything, but this, these chairs, this table, the TV and all this stuff, the video games are mine, uh, but that lamp's not mine. Uh, you know, anything, you know, these things, you see in this picture, none of it's mine. This was a furnished condo when I lived in it. My bed's not mine. None of that stuff over there is mine. Uh, so none of this, the guest bedroom bed's not mine. All the, the other TV, none of this stuff's mine. The, the, the microwave, the refrigerator and everything. But I want to give a shout out to the owners of this condo. They're spectacular. Anytime I've ever had a problem with anything, I mean, it's like, boom, right away. Refrigerator goes bad, get another refrigerator. TV goes bad, got another TV. I mean, it's been fantastic. And so I just kind of put it out there, you know, maybe we need a new, uh, and the, the realtor was like, yeah, you need a new couch. So I'm getting a new couch at the end of the week. But I'm going to have to figure out how to get this couch and this love seat out of here because the furniture movers won't take it. They've already said they won't take it, so I have to do it. So that's what's going on with me. But he did motivate me. My dad did motivate me. He said, hey, Ed, look at this couch. Come on, man. And he was right. So there you go. Uh, so that's what's been going on with me. Uh, dad was here. We actually had a real good time. And... Um, I uh, can't say I was necessarily overtly surprised, but I just know my dad, maybe just like he knows me. And he came down here. He saw all that he needed to see, I think. we uh, He got to watch me play some disc golf. We went out to this nice restaurant to eat. We had a fantastic time. We did a little driving around. We watched some basketball. We spent some late nights out on the balcony watching the planes fly in, just talking and stuff. What else is there to do? You know. So uh, he's up there. That's where he belongs. I'm here where I belong. And uh, so there you go. Uh, let's see what else. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll give him a call. I, Lisa says, I just love your dad raised a fine son. Oh, my. We don't need to make my dad's head any bigger than it is. No, I'm kidding. Thanks, Charlotte Twinkle. Ed travels light, just him and that air fryer and maybe that camel. Yes, I do travel light. That's not really true, Twinkle. But as, um, you know, I've, I've talked about me doing this teachable podcast uh, or teachable course that I'm putting together, and it's slowly, slowly coming uh, together. Um, I do talk about that in one of the sections regarding my equipment and how I take my equipment everywhere. Twinkle, uh, I have a overtly probably complicated setup for a podcaster because I use two computers and everything, but that stuff goes with me everywhere. I, I took both these computers when I went to Colorado twice. I took them when I went to, for uh, you know, PGGA Worlds last year in Illinois, and then they went to Pennsylvania. Every time I go to see my dad, I take the computers. I took both of them when I went up there for Christmas. So I don't know how light I really travel, but I'd rather leave all my clothes at home, you know, just what's on my back and on my, you know, pants and shirt and shoes and take my computers, then leave my computers behind and take clothes. But maybe that's, uh, there you go. A task rabbit. Uh, Sheree, I'm not familiar with TaskRabbit. Maybe you can give all of us a very short explanation of what it is 
And of course, if you want to send me a link to whatever that is, I'll take a look at it as well. Uh, Sharice, uh, Charles says, I bet the livery guys will make the couch disappear for a couple bucks. Uh, maybe I might need some cash on hand, uh, uh, Charlie. I'll think about that. Thank you for the pointer. Uh, try task. Oh, they will move the couch. They'll take it off my hands. Well, all it needs to be done with this couch is taking it to the bottom floor. So the garbage man can take it away. I don't think any, I don't, you know, this is, I, you know, dare I say it. I don't know if this is salvation army or something material. I don't mean to gross everybody out, but, um, I'm not so sure. So, um, I'm just looking to get it from here down to the ground floor to be thrown in, you know, thrown out there. So when the garbage trucks, they could just throw it away. But I think that's the point with which this couch is. So, okay. All right. Let's, uh, so that's what's going on with me. And I know some of you asked uh, me some questions about air frying and some other things that I will get to later. Let's just get right into the true crime part of the show and that's what we'll be discussing for the rest of the time except for these couple questions that I got. Uh you know I always start out with the unfound poll. If you are new uh watching this live show or if you um are listening to the podcast, uh the live show podcast for the first time, the the poll that is conducted every week is done in the unfound discussion group on Facebook. And I've been doing that for a long time. You may ask, why do you do that, Ed? Well, I'll tell you. Because I'd like to see the audience's response to an episode. Uh, And I think that the guests find it very helpful as well. Because many times what they find is what they have an idea in their head about what happened to their missing loved one, their son, their daughter, sibling, whoever. They have an idea. And so then, as you know, with Unfound's interviews, we stick to the facts as much as possible, as humanly possible. And a lot of times, what the guests find out is that the fa- they think that the facts say one thing, and then the audience listens to all the facts, and they, they go in a totally opposite direction. And in fact, it's not unusual for... The guest, at least behind the scenes, although we don't really don't get into that, but I know many times you can kind of like read between the lines about what the guests think happened. But the guest thinks one thing. The discussion group poll says something different. And then the think tank, which I conduct on Sunday evenings for premium Patreon members at patreon.com forward slash unfound podcast. The, uh, the think tank comes to a totally different conclusion. So you could have three different... Uh, analyses of the same set of facts. It's fascinating to me, you know, who is running all of this. And uh, this is, uh, it's just, it's very interesting to me. But the, the, the discussion group poll is the one that is the most open, the one that is out there. There are 8,000 some members, although we don't get even close to that many people voting. But I think that on most of the polls, uh, we get a, a reasonable cross-section of the people, of the member in this, members in the discussion group, that you can get an idea of it's a pretty good sample. And I've been doing that for a while. It's good feedback for me. It's good be- feedback for the guests. It does generate conversation in the, uh, 
in the discussion group. Of course, it's called discussion group. And I try to make it hard. Sometimes that's a little difficult because sometimes it's kind of obvious. And maybe I'll just go on a different tangent for the poll. But uh, for this week, uh, it was a pretty straightforward poll question. Uh, this, of course, is the disappearance of Judy Brown, who went missing with Richard Riesenberger, who was a murderer, who murdered his his wife and child in 1971. This disappearance happened in 77, 1977. And the question was, what happened to Judy Brown? The, the, the answers were, did Richard Brown kill her? Is she still alive? Did she die of natural causes or something? Should I die in some other way? Or did somebody else kill her? An overwhelming number of you stated that Richard Re, Richard Riesenberg killed Judy Brown. That was with the discussion group. That was the conclusion, overwhelmingly. Uh, in the think tank, like I said last night, we do it every week. Um, we've been doing this think tank since the beginning of 2019. It is the only thing of its kind where we really go really, really, really in deep for about an hour and 15 minutes into the disappearance for that week. Everybody gets to get their opinions heard. Uh, I, I just have some points to, pon pon uh, points to ponder. I try to play devil's advocate a little bit during the discussion. Even if somebody like kind of agrees with what I'm thinking in my head, I still try to challenge people if I think that needs to be done sometimes. People just give very short answers, and I like it to maybe expound on something a little bit. But it's the only one of its kind, and if you're not in there, I don't know why you aren't. Only thing of its kind in the world where a group of people get together and freely, privately, everybody's private, so everybody doesn't feel like they're going to be judged or anything for the public to see and all the, the trolling and everything that some kind, sometimes can happen. But it's a private group. You have to be a premium Patreon member, and we get deep into these, um, into these disappearances. Uh, really breaking down, for example, with Judy Brown's disappearance. For example, one of the questions was that I asked the group, well, you know, Judy did not contact her family after April of 1977. Does that mean that Richard, if you believe that Richard killed her, did he? does that mean he killed her right away? Or what are the other possibilities for uh, Judy to not have contacted her family back then? Sure, one of the reasons, a very good reason might be that Richard killed her. But let's just take a look at those other reasons. What could some of the other possibilities be? That... That's the kind of um, discussion we have in the group. So we do a lot of theorizing. We do have a lot of kind of alter uh, alternate scenarios and things, but that's what think tanks do. Whether it has to do with medicine or politics, you know, world events. Um, a lot of think tanks out there for a lot of different topics. And this is the only missing persons think tank out there. Unfound.patreon.com uh, forward slash unfound podcast. So the discussion group thought that Richard killed her. Think Tank, in the end, uh, decided that Richard killed her. And the blog that I also write that is available for all Patreon members, no matter what level, I also decided that Richard killed her. 
I'm not here to try to explain this for everybody, what everybody in particular was thinking, but I'm going to guess the major reason that most people would come to that conclusion is because we know that Richard already was a killer. And the, the people who are most likely to kill are people who have killed before and have gotten, you know, gotten away with it. And in my opinion, Richard did get away with it. In addition, Judy falls into the demographic of his, at least one of his prior victims, that being his wife. Judy and he were engaged. You know, it kind of sets up, you know, a little too conveniently, I guess you might say, to deny it. So does that mean that I think that he killed her right away? That's the reason she didn't contact her family. I'm open to the idea that might have taken a while. But I'm also not inclined, as the think tank members were not inclined to really believe that Richard was um, crazy or insane or anything like that. Uh, I think we pretty much all agreed, at least in the think tank, that he was just a bad guy and he fooled the judge. I don't think that he lost his mind when he killed his wife and child. I think he's just a bad guy. And then he acted badly again. Uh, you should also know in the think tank, we also discussed the possibility, could Richard Riesenberger, Richard Riesenberg killed other women? And to that, we also decided that the answer was yes. So these are some of the things, topics that we really get deeply into. And we also discussed, well, how would we go about figuring out if he killed anybody else? So that's what we do in the think tank. Every Sunday evening, 7 o'clock, unless... Something gets in the way, like you know, we had Christmas or New, you know, New Year's Eve or whatever, wherever a Sunday is going to fall and going to fall in certain times of the year. Sometimes it gets moved to Tuesdays because the live show, of course, is now on Mondays. But usually Sunday evenings, 7 p.m. Eastern, goes for about hour, an hour and 15 minutes. I think you'll like it. All you have to do is sign up at patreon.com forward slash unfound podcast twinkle says love the think tank i've learned a lot in there and have made friends yeah I, I that's something twinkle that i think is very interesting uh even though i don't think any of you have never ever met each other i think it has become kind of like a little friends group but we're very open uh to new people i know this uh one guy uh marty is now in the in the group as well just within the last month we have a, a, a person who is connected to the investigation uh, of Cal Fleischman's disappearance, not Reggie, who was the guest, but somebody who knows Reggie. That person is always in the think tank as well, um, although person was not in there last night. Um, you know, we're very accommodating to new people as well. So I don't want you to be afraid of that, even though it's a very tight-knit group. Because the discussion usually has maybe between 8 and 12 people every Sunday evening, which is just manageable. And everybody gets to be heard, and I can manage things, and it's good. So that was the Judy Brown poll. The good thing, I think, for Julian, who I think is doing a fantastic job on this, is that I think there's still a lot to do. Uh, I think that uh, I still – I kind of in the – Unfound blog that I wrote also talked a little bit about Emily Richards, kind of a very similar disappearance, especially since there are two that are very old, going back to the 70s into the 60s, that on both of those, even though they are very old disappearances, 
I still feel like there's still a lot to do. There's still a lot to be dug up. I don't think there's any dead ends in sight at all where you get to some point and it's like, man, I just don't know what to do anymore. I think there's still a lot to do in both of them. And as long as there are things to do, I think that that can give us all hope that we will find out what happened to Judy and Richard. And then, uh, of course, Emily Richards uh, going back to that disappearance from a few months ago as well. Twinkle says, yes, I feel like I know you all and would love to meet new meet new friends. Thanks, Twinkle. All right, moving on. Uh, one thing that I, although I fixed it in the podcast version, in the YouTube version, I did not have an opportunity to change it. I got something wrong when I talked about it last week, and so I'm going to correct it now. Uh, the Dr. Telesco show is not this Thursday. I messed that up. Um. The Dr. Telesco show, when I, I will be appearing with her, will not be until March 30th, so a week from this Thursday. You know, I was always thinking that we um, get together the fourth Thursday of every month, but somehow that changed this month. And I, you know, and it's my fault. I think that one of Dr. Telesco's assistants had sent me something a few months ago about what the dates were. And I was just automatically thinking it was March 23rd because that that kind of just uh, just kind of uh, you know got into my mind somehow that it was the 23rd. I'm sure that the assistant sent me the correct dates. It was myself who got it wrong. So I did fix that in the the podcast version. So on iTunes and Spotify everywhere. But for everybody who uh, partook in the Judy Brown episode on on YouTube. Uh, I did not have a chance to change that. So it said March 23rd in the unfound news section. It's actually March 30th. And I did put a correction in the description below. But not the, as far as what we're going to talk about, that has not changed. And I will talk about that. I will give a preview of that next Monday in the next live show. But it is going to be a disappearance that has been solved. I don't know if it's necessarily figured out exactly what happened. Maybe there was foul play. Maybe there wasn't. But this is a disappearance where the woman uh, was eventually found. And she was found only like a mile from the Nova Southeastern University campus. So you can see why Dr. Telesco would want to... Uh, talk about that. I said, sure, I can I can get that done. And in fact, I've already put it all together, the show all together, and I've already sent it to her mainly because I thought the show was this Thursday. So I kind of worked ahead unintentionally. But I'm looking forward to that. You know, Dr. Telesco and I were like two peas in a pod. And, um, you know, I just wish we could do more shows together. But, uh you know, she has her priorities. Of course, she has other shows that she does, has other people on, and then there are midterms and, and everything else. But uh, certainly, if we could work something out for like the summer to get together uh, and do some shows together during the summer, even though she's not uh, in school, um, that would be uh, good. And of course, uh, as all of you know, I did interview her for an episode. Uh, late last year, uh, which was a good time as well. Uh, Ashley, I so wish I could be on the think tank, but I can't because I don't have any money. I'm sorry to hear that, Ashley. Uh, I, I realize the Patreon is not for everybody, but um, you know, one of the you should know though, 
one of the reasons that the think tank in particular is uh, kind of for premium Patreon members is that it's hard to have a think tank if we had a ton and ton of people. Of course, I'll, you know, I'll, you know, accept the, uh, the support and everything else, but, but there's a reason. And, but that doesn't mean Ashley couldn't be involved for $2 or $5 and get some other things. Uh, at least read uh, my in-depth analysis for $2 a month or $5 a month. So, um, but I, I totally understand, Ashley. Lisa, looking forward to you and Dr. Telasco. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you. All right. Well, here's the big news. I've kind of been holding off on this. Um, wanted to make sure you, you know me. Uh, all of you, have, I think, have been with Unfound for a very long time, although maybe some of you are newer. But most of you have been with Unfound for a long time. You get to know my modus operandi uh, on how I handle topics. And very, 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 very rarely do I ever say something about a disappearance of Unfounds until I think that I have the permission to do so. Whether it has to do with any breaking news or remains being found or a trial coming up or anything I heard behind the scenes because a guest has contacted me. When guests contact me after they've been on Unfound to tell me things, my automatic response is, not talking about it. All right. So I don't e get too eager to go right to the microphone and say something. Uh, I make sure that the guest understands uh, that I'm going to keep it on the down low until that guest gives me the okay to say something. That's the way it's always going to be. And so for this piece of information, I had to make sure that uh, the guest was okay with me talking about it. In fact, there's going to be two here uh, and that I'm going to be talking about in succession here for this live show. But the one that uh, has gotten the most attention, even on the Unfound page, which uh, the post that I made on this on the Unfound page has gotten more comments than, um, than I think any other post that I've ever put on there, which was good. I'm, I'm glad that people are keeping their eyes peeled for disappearances uh, where people are being found alive. So the announcement is this. And what's so interesting about this is the, that this is a very recent disappearance that we covered. Turns out, now if you, you know, and it's okay if you forget some of the circumstances, I will remind you of the circumstances after I say the person's name. It turns out that Brandon Roberts has been found alive. Uh, found out about this a while ago. Uh, and in fact, my assistant, Emily, who was the one that reached out to Brandon's mother, Leah, in the first place. Of course, Leah was eventually the guest. Um, Brandon Roberts is alive. Now, you should know that he's in the hospital. Uh, he's been burned. He's going to have a long road back to... You know, is getting as healthy as he can. But he is alive. He is stable. He's going to survive uh, what happened to him. I'm not so clear on the circumstances as to what happened to him, but it does sound like he got burned fairly bad for some reason. Uh, but I'm not going to speculate on that. And... 
I don't think his mother exactly knows, but his mother is out in Oregon. She flew out there a few days ago, um, maybe Friday or Saturday, and I've kept in contact with her. And in fact, uh, she and I texted back and forth actually today, and I did get permission um, from her to let all of you know that he has been found. Now, if you're wondering what the stats are on that, that is only the second missing person who has been found alive in Unfound's history. 286 disappearances. Uh, I think we're over 20, some, some that have been resolved one way or another, and only two of those were in which the people were still alive. The first one is Patrick Reed that we covered maybe back in 2020. And then the second one here is Brandon Roberts. Now, if you're wondering, what's well, Brandon Roberts? I, you know, I know I recognize that name. That's the one where he went missing once. He came and his girlfriend found him. He came back to civilization was fine. And then went missing again. This is the one where somebody else ended up with his phone. No, he was. This is the one where he was supposed to be talking to his son. He missed the appointment with his son. Leah started uh, texting him. Hey, Brandon, where are you? And then somebody else said, yeah, I got this phone. Some woman gave it to me. And, she, you know, I gave her a couple bucks for it. She said she'd be back. And she never came back. So that's why I have this phone. It's that disappearance, Brandon Roberts. Now, where he has been all this time, I don't know. Uh, it seems that um, at least at the time that the episode came out, this was well before he got burned. My impression is that this burning incident only happened within the last couple of weeks. Like I said, I don't know what happened. It could be that somebody tried to hurt him could have been we realized that brandon had a drug issue had did have to do with drugs did he get in a fight did, was he around some you know some campfire somewhere and somebody pushed him into it i have no idea but he's stable uh it sounds to me like he can talk uh, i think he's has some vision problems right now and may continue to have those but uh, if you don't know, the eyes are fairly, fairly resilient when it comes to injuries. So they're uh, hoping that his vision's going to come 100% back. Um, but maybe, as Leah herself stated in a text today, um, that this might give, being that he's going to be in the hospital for a while with skin grafts and everything else, and of course... I'm not sure he's going to pay for that, but um, of course he's not going to be able to get onto any drugs or anything while he's in the hospital. And so this is going to be a long, long pro process. He's not going to be getting out of the hospital very soon. So of course his family is thinking that this will be an opportunity for him to get clean. So it's Brandon Roberts. I know a lot of people threw out the idea. Was it was it Bowman? Of course, that's another recent episode. It's a kind of a recent disappearance, like Brandon's was. Not Bowman. That was a very popular guess uh, on the page on the Unfound page. Not Bowman. I, but you know, I have to admit, Brandon Roberts being found alive is not something that I could have predicted. 
Uh, I think I didn't go back and look exactly at what everything that I wrote just from a couple months ago regarding the coverage of his disappearance for the Patreon blog, but I certainly did not come to the uh, conclusion that he was going to be found alive, but he has been. And this is just, just very unpredictable Uh, for him to be gone. Obviously he was homeless or something and something happened. And I think what I'm also saying within all of this is had he not gotten burned, I'm guessing that he's still missing. And this is just how some of these things sometimes work that uh, some bad accident, something happens, then puts that person back on, you know, goes into the hospital. And, you know, how did they determine that it was Brandon Roberts? Maybe he said so, or maybe he had some sort of ID on him, or somebody brought him to the hospital and told them, yeah, this is Brandon Roberts. And I, I don't know any of that either. But Brandon Roberts is alive. And uh, not in the greatest of shape right now, but better alive than deceased. So that is uh, the the big news. And, you know, it's weird. Uh, I'm going to get to the other somewhat resolution of a case. Uh, another disappearance, once again, one that it was covered this year. Um that seemingly doesn't have as good of an ending, but I'll get to it in a moment. But what was I just saying a couple weeks ago on this very live show? Wow, we have gone a while. I think the last resolution we had to a disappearance was Ashley Simpson, the Canadian uh, young woman who was murdered by that guy she met. You remember that? Uh, You surely remember uh, that disappearance that we covered it. Was it last year? Time goes by. Was it last year or maybe early last year? Her mother was the guest. And you remember that she was out there in the what I would call the middle of nowhere of Canada. And she went missing. I think it in Salmon Arm, I think, was the name of the place where her remains were eventually found. That was like last summer. And then we had this time where nothing was going on. There were certainly some updates. I did the update episodes. There were certainly things to talk about regarding certain disappearances. But no remains being found, um, nobody being charged with murder or anything like that. And then just within the, what, the last three weeks, we have Daniel Villarreal. He talked about that last week, how he was found in somebody's I get outdoor bathroom. Can you call that an outhouse? I don't know, in the backyard of her place. Remember, I talked about that last week. Unfortunately, deceased. I've not heard anything since then as to whether there was foul play or not, I'm thinking there wasn't, but, um, and now we have this news with Brandon Roberts who, um, has been found alive in kind of bad shape, but I think he's going to live. And so the other, uh, resolution, although it's not been scientifically determined yet, but in talking to the guest, uh, she is fairly sure that uh, this is the missing person. So the other news for an unfound disappearance, and once again, this is one that just like Brandon's just covered it since the beginning of 2023. Matthew Braswell's remains have been found. At least 
his skull. I found out about this last Wednesday, I think it was, and it's been in the news. It's not just something between me and his sister Amy, who was the guest. This is um, this has already been something that I think has been published in the area where he went missing. Now, if you're wondering, um, you know, if you're once again, I, and I realize sometimes these things are hard to keep straight. I'm the one that has to keep them straight. You do not. You don't have to be able to you know, snap off the details of a disappearance right off the top of your head. That's my job. And of course, we all know how good Kathy is at that. (laughs) But uh, Matthew was the one. He was out with this other guy and they were stealing mail out of mailboxes and they got caught. They tried to speed away. There was a wreck. They both ran away. The one guy collapsed and lived. He had a collapsed lung, broken ribs, all these things. And then Matthew took off never to be seen again. It's that disappearance. Well, a skull was found, if you can believe it. This is what his sister told me, Amy. Um, His skull was found by a dog walker in a tree. His skull was found in a tree. As soon as I get more details, I mean, I, just, I don't know what to say to that. Um, that but that's just, I'm, I'm not saying she's lying. I'm sure she's absolutely 100% telling the truth. But you don't hear about too many people who end up in trees and that's where their skull is found. But um, the bizarre part is that if you remember going back some years now to – uh, when we covered the disappearance of Julie Wefflin, John Polis was the guest. Remember that fantastic amateur uh, detective uh, working on her disappearance? Good guy, too. Really like John. Even though I don't necessarily agree with everybody thing he thinks about her disappearance, great guy. Love talking to him. But if you remember, part of his backstory before he even looked into Julie's uh, disappearance was that he found a missing person uh, and he figured out that the person had been stuck in a tree all that time. That's why the remains weren't found right away. So these things happen. Now, in that case, it was, did the person jump? Did the person slip and fall? And there was a tree down below, got stuck in the tree, couldn't get out of it, or maybe died, got impaled by a limb or something. And then as the body decomposed, parts start falling off. And then, but that was John who figured that out. Now, Given I kind of remember the area where Matthew went missing, I don't know how probable that is. But if he had some sort of injury, he climbed up into some tree to hide because he thought the police were coming. I'm going to hide up in this tree. And then the injuries overtook him. Maybe that's not a crazy idea. But there was a skull found not too far away from where the wreck was. And Amy is pretty, pretty convinced that it's Matthew. Uh, so um, that's, uh, that's, you know, but it's the DNA, of course, testing is being done. And we sometimes know how long that can take. Let me see what everybody's, uh, where did they find Brandon? Deborah, it was in the Portland area. I know, I only know that Deborah. I don't know exactly where in Portland, 
But only reason I know that is because Le- Leah told me his mother said she was flying to Portland to see him. So he's in a hospital in the Portland area. But, you know, and I realized back at the time, Deborah, that we had we had talked about, you know, is it possible that he could have gone to California? He could have gone anywhere. It seems like he never might have gone somewhere else. But the burning where he got burned happened in the Portland area. And that's where she flew to. Thank you. That's a good question. I didn't bring that up. Thank you. Uh, hello, Stitching. What's going on, Stitching? Good to see you. Thanks for tuning in tonight, uh, Stitching. Uh, Gordon said, weird one regarding Matthews. Yep. It's uh, that. I, it is strange, Gordon. I'm not. It's it's very unusual. Um, you know, I just don't know what to think of it. I really have not gotten to speak to Amy that much. I've had way more conversations with uh, Brandon's mother than I've had with Matthew's sister over the past week. Uh, so, just not sure what to think. I, I guess, I guess it still could be foul play regarding Matthew, but uh, nothing that I've heard so far can, can explain it. And um, uh, Amy hasn't given me many more details. All that she says is they really believe that it is Matthew Braswell's uh, remains. But yes, just the skull. I don't know what to think of it. Could an animal have taken the skull up into the tree? I, I guess maybe. I don't know. Uh, Kathy says, we covered Ashley Simpson's disappearance on October 8th, 2021. Thank you, Kathy. And that makes sense because I think it was then in the summer of 2022 when her remains were found. So that's about it. Thank you, Kathy. That's kind of what I think was thinking. Yes, Twinkle. Thank you, Carrie. Hey, Carrie. Carrie, Carrie, Carrie. Assistant Carrie, what's going on? Popping in as long as I could. Hello, Carrie. Dee Dee says, just the skull. That's all I've been told, Dee Dee. The skull. That's it. Rockford. Hey, Rockford. What's going on? I was just talking about you a couple minutes ago when we brought up the think tank, although I didn't mention you by name. Um, just like talking about newer people who have come into the think tank. Uh, Rockford said, John is one of my favorite all-time mountain found gas so thorough, does the work, and seems like a real character. I think they should be checking trees in the area where Tyler Davis disappeared. That's interesting. Okay, Rockford. Yeah, don't pull us as a character. Um. Just don't know if all of you remember. He is not a youngster. John Polos is in his late 70s, and he's still still teaching high school. He, like, had that job with the power company, retired from there, and then became a teacher. And I think he's still a teacher to this day in his late 70s. And you listen to him. Dude has a lot of energy for his late 70s. Does not, you know, you'd never guess. But... Yeah, uh, he and I, Rockford, I just had some texts back and forth with him within the last couple months because somebody had contacted me about Julie's disappearance and um, thought the person might have some information. And what I do these times is, you know, I just pass along to the guests. I don't get in the middle of all that. Rockford, I was spring, spring training and just arrived home. Hate to miss a think tank, but love my spring baseball too. Okay, Rockford, I I suppose I can live with that explanation. <laughs> so, so um, no, I'm 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 just kidding, Rockford. 
Uh, so those are the two updates. Of course, I'll get probably more into them because we have an update episode coming up at the end of April. They will, of course, get mentioned again and um, with a little more depth. And maybe, of course, maybe by that time, I'll know a little bit more about how this all occurred for both of these resolutions. Maybe I'll also know more about Daniel Villarreal's uh, death and who else in- who can say what's going to happen between now and the end of April. We might have three more resolutions or discoveries or remains. We just really can't say. Uh, At this point, being the twinkles in here, I want to remind everybody of the new, it's been out for what, a month, uh, maybe since the beginning of February. We have the new unfound merchandise store. And I will type it in the chat so everybody can go check it out right there there you go so um you know twinkle's working on that she's managing it and so i hope everybody will check it out if you see something you like do not hesitate to purchase it i know um i know the the listener name is paula she posted her new unfound water bottle um in the group picture, it looks good. And I have to follow my own advice. I have to, should be able to show some of these things, I think, during the live show and maybe wear some, some of the new shirts. These, of course, uh, old merchandise from a few years ago when I'm wearing here. So I should probably take my own advice and get some things that I can show off during the live shows. And uh, it's probably be a good idea. Got to put that on my list of things to do. Uh, Carrie, one of my main team members just retired at 87. Yes, 87. Wow. That my man could run circles around all of us. Well, Carrie, that would not be hard to believe because I hate running. Valor, hell, I'm listening. My dog's demanding attention after I just got off work. Well, your dog needs to chill. Your dogs need to chill. Give them a Valium or something, Val. You got to chill them out for like the next hour or something. Don't do that. I'm kidding. Hello, everybody. I'm just kidding. Don't take me seriously. But the merchandise store, unfound-podcast.myspreadshop.com. Please check it out. Moving on, uh, I need, and I know she's in here uh, because uh, she just posted about Ashley Simpson. Um. I just want to give a shout out to Kathy, who's in the chat tonight. She uh, helped me immensely with doing my taxes this year. Uh, Because Unfound did make enough money in 2022 where I did have to file my taxes. And as I've said many times, I'm too good looking to go to jail. So I want to make sure that I do them correctly. And I just want to thank Kathy so much for having so much um, that, you know, for her to walk me through all of this from the 1040 to the Schedule 1 to the Schedule 2 to the Schedule A to the Form SE to do estimated, also do estimated quarterly reports uh, for 2023 to walk me all through that. Uh, I cannot uh, thank Kathy enough and um and that just uh shows Kathy's background 
um, which she uh, did before she retired. And to walk me through all of that, just doing it over the phone or over messenger messaging back and forth, me uh, taking pictures of the forms as I was filling them out and her looking at them and everything else. Um, I just uh, cannot thank Kathy enough that, uh, that I actually got to uh, go in and file my, sent my tax forms. I had to, of course, pay um, today. And it's just the, just like the hugest load off my mind. You don't even know. You just don't even know. And, uh, she has assured me that it'll be a lot easier next year being that I've done it this year, but it's one of those learning curve things that I won't have to even think about the schedule and all these things until this time next year. The good news though, is, uh, Kathy has set me up that I'll be paying, uh, estimated quarterly this year. So unlike what I did today where I had to, because I'm really a self-employed, which means, you know, there's no W-9s or anything like that. So whatever taxes I accrued, I have to pay them all at one time. Whereas for most people, if you're an employee, those taxes get taken out. In fact, you might even get a refund if you overpaid. Uh, of course, me, I just have to write it right out of my uh, my checking account. Well, she set me up that we're doing estimated taxes. So when it comes to this time next year, hopefully I won't have to do anything. It'll just already be paid and it'll just, um, you know, already be taken out. And uh, I hope that works out really, really well. So Kathy, I cannot thank you uh, enough um, for doing that. And to me, some late nights going through the paperwork and I made all sorts of addition mistakes and figuring out what, what, uh, the seats and everything. So I, I just want to thank her so much. And I know she's in the chat. So Kathy, thank you so much. Uh, hello, Lawrence. What's going on? Shri says, Viam, such a Northern thing. Uh, Shri, what would be a Southern thing? It, instead of Valium, if, if I wanted to give a dog a Valium, I'm just kidding, everybody. But if I wanted to give a Southern dog a thing, what <coughs> what would it be instead of uh, Valium? Joseph says, well, dude, I'm telling you, as a lifelong Def Leppard fan, since a kid, man in the 1980s, man, like, that really sucks what happened to Rick Allen. He is the coolest drummer. Best wishes of feeling to him. I am going to talk about that before we're done here, Joseph. Yeah, very unfortunate what happened to him uh, this past weekend. Lisa, and thanks for tuning in, Joseph. What's up? Lisa, definitely too good looking to go to jail. Oh, behave, Lisa. Carrie, as busy as life has been lately, jail sounds like a great vacation. Uh, okay, Carrie. Sheree uh, says, Kathy's such a smarty. Valerie says, seriously, nonstop work. Twinkle Kathy is one smart cookie. Love messaging back and forth with her. Look at Kathy getting all this love tonight. So the taxes are done. I do not expect any, um, you know, any, uh, I'm not saying they're absolutely perfect, but surely it's close. So I don't expect to uh, get audited or anything like that. And um, 
it's just good to have it done. So like I said, I had to actually fill out two checks today. One for my taxes for 2022. <laughs> <coughs> wow. And one for my estimated taxes for 2023. So I will do that quarterly. So I had to write out uh, quite a bit of money today. And for some reason, I feel good about that. I need to have my head checked. Rockford, I'm a corporate tax attorney. My special reason for dreading individual tax season that I get questions from relatives, friends about their taxes, and I have no idea how to answer. That's funny, Rockford. It's like you know too much about them, Rockford. Um, That's funny. All right. Anything else? Uh, website uh, slowly coming together at a back and forth with the new guy's name is Tobias. He is from Sweden. And uh, I, he, I, he thought he came to kind of a dead end on it, then figured something out. And so um, I'm thinking within the next month or two, the website is going to be looking a lot different, more updated, a little more professional. And, um, you know, this isn't going to be something where I have somebody managing it all the time, but something where somebody can redesign it and maybe set up an easier way, a little different workflow. And then, you know, that can be shown to me. And then all I have to do is follow the step-by-step procedures anytime, you know, a new episode comes out or I need to post things because, Tobias went in there and was looking at it and he was like, oh, wow, you got too many tags. You got this, you got that. This is why that doesn't look right. And I was like, I know, I wish I had time to figure it all out, but I don't. So, but I think he's figured it out. Um, and we're, we're going to see what happens. But uh, when the new design and everything is uh, uh, ready, I will let all of you know. So let's move on to some information outside the realm of unfound. Maybe I'll just answer this question uh, first that Lisa had asked me uh, before I get into all of this because uh, the national news will be for the the rest of the uh, show tonight. We have another hour to go. Uh, And if anybody else has any questions... um, Please ask them of me. I posted that was the first post in there uh, tonight. Uh, Lisa really early on had asked me about any good um, air fryer recipes. I have mine running now with cauliflower, sweet potatoes, and Parmesan chicken. I'm using seasoning packets, especially for air fryer cooking. Here are the things that I... uh, The things that I cook in the air fryer. Chicken wings, baked potatoes, french fries. Those are the things that I've done so far. Uh, The baked potatoes uh, are like at 390 degrees for like 32 minutes, 30 to 32 minutes. Probably could even be in there a little longer. And before I put them in there, of course, they get washed. And then I coat them in... Uh, olive oil, and I put salt on them, and then they go into the fryer for all that time at that temperature. They come out great. I had two baked potatoes last night. Fantastic. The French fries, they're like, uh, the first couple times that I used the air fryer with French fries, I burnt them. 
Uh, you know, it says to have them in for like 20 minutes or something. If I leave French fries in my air fryer for 20 minutes after they're frozen, they're frozen, go right into there, they're burnt. So about 15 minutes, I don't put anything on them. I don't put any olive oil or season them before. I just dump them right into the air fryer, 15 minutes, 375 or 390 degrees at 15 minutes. They're fantastic. Nice and crisp. Not so hot that you have to let them cool down. You know, so if you eat them right away, they don't burn your mouth or anything. They're crisp. And I just put some salt on them. I also like to put a little malt vinegar on them because that's how I roll. And they're fantastic. Now, I will tell you, though, with the chicken wings, I totally messed up. Although I've cooked chicken wings in there a few times, I totally messed them up this ma- this last time. Got a little too rushed. Did not keep them in the air fryer enough. And so they came out uh, a little raw. So I kind of, in a way, ruined them. And so, you know, I only had them in there for 15 minutes, and they have to be in there a lot longer than that. I don't know why I was thinking 15 minutes. I was I was probably thinking because that's how many minutes I use when I put them in oil. That's how long I cook them, 15 minutes, and they're done. In the air fryer, they have to be in there longer than that. Somehow I messed that up. I don't know. I thought I had the right recipe memory in my head. I didn't. And it wasn't until I ate a couple of them I was like, no, I didn't throw up or anything. uh, Everything was fine. But it wasn't right. So uh, I messed the the chicken wings up uh, a couple days ago. And so what I've actually done, Lisa, is I've actually typed out a form with the recipes for the air fryer. So I don't forget for next time. It's Cause I don't like, I don't like messing wings up. That's against my religion. So there you go. That's what's going on with me and the air fryer. Uh, Lisa. Um, Stitchy said, oh, I keep forgetting to tell you what your ex-husband found you. I guess that's bad news. Stitching. Uh, hello, Veronica. What's going on with the little heart? Good to see you, Veronica. Lisa says, my dinner was so bad. Needed fat and liquid. That's fine. That's fine. Uh, Kathy and Rockford talking back and forth. Lisa, malt vinegar. I love that. Yeah, that's something that I learned as a kid at the Leechburg pool. That was how I was first, uh, first found out about that. And that's something I can continue to do to this day. My oven has an air fryer, only used it once and well, got frustrated, gave up. Oh, come on, Carrie. Well, my, my air fryer is separate, and it sits there on the counter, and it's gotten a lot of use. The, the thing that hasn't gotten a lot of use recently is my George Foreman grill. Uh, for a while there, I was using it three days a week, and now it's been a while since I've used it, mainly because uh, I cook. Of course, the chicken breasts on on the on the stove now in a pan. I used to put them in the George Foreman grill, but you can't really do that with chicken because to really cook it well, and then it gets dry. On the George Foreman grill, it doesn't seem like chicken breast works as well, and it just works better in the fryer. In addition, I'm not cooking any steaks anymore. Steaks on the George Foreman grill are fantastic, but 
given the price of uh, steaks these days, forget it. And then I've kind of been shying away from hot dogs. Hot dogs were something else that I was cooking on the grill, on the George Foreman grill. But I've kind of been shying away from hot dogs in 2023. So it's just kind of been sitting there. In addition, I would cook hamburgers on there. But once again, haven't bought any hamburgers recently either. So I've been using the air fryer. I've been using this, uh, the the top of the oven for most of my eating. And then on the on top of that, sometimes I just get like whole cooked chickens at Publix and everything that are already cooked. So there's that. Uh, Lisa said, I learned about vinegar from Long John Silver's. I remember that. Stitching, yes. After 10 years, he tracked you down stitching. I'm sorry to hear that. Carrie, grilled chicken on a foreman. I can do that one. It's better if you do it in a pan on the top of the stove, though, Carrie, even though it's more work and messier. But it's worth it. All right. Let's get to this international, um, some national slash international true crime news. Want to do a follow up on Nathan Millard. This was the guy who went to Baton Rouge on a business trip and somehow ended up dead wrapped in a plastic and a carpet. And I said at the time, this doesn't feel to me like something that's foul play in that he was murdered. But now that the timeline is out, coming from a reputable news organization within the last couple of days, you really got to start wondering what was going on with Nathan Millard. I, I, it would really help. As I, What do I continue to say? Disappearances are about people. Now, granted, this isn't a disappearance anymore. But once I read this all to, to all of you, I think you're also going to be like, who exactly was Nathan Millard? How do you go to Baton Rouge on a business trip and end up doing these things? Family man, married, married children, and end up running into these people and seemingly choosing to be with them. All right, let me read this to you. Uh, February 22nd, 7.30 p.m., Millard FaceTimes with his wife from an LSU basketball game. 9.30 p.m., he has dinner with a client at Happy's Pub around 9.30. 11.17 p.m., February 22nd, Miller is last seen at Happy's Irish Pub on 3rd Street in downtown Baton Rouge. And it says that a, a bartender there cut him off uh, because he had too much to drink. So Nathan got was drinking and so sloppy drunk that a person who was serving him said, no more for you, like no soup for you in Seinfeld. No more drinks for you. 11.30 p.m., February 22nd. Miller arrives at the Greyhound bus station on Florida Street, which is less than a mile from the pub. He's with another man, according to warrants. He uses an ATM card to withdraw cash. A security camera spots him and asks, security guard spots him and asks Miller if he needs help. Miller refuses help, but tells the employee that he has lost his cell phone. The employee offers to call a rideshare for him or take him back to his hotel room, but Millard refuses. Millard tells the employee he's looking for, quote-unquote, something to make him feel better. Millard walks away from the bus station with an unidentified man. 
February 23rd uh, till 4.30 a.m. Police say the man Millard was with introduces him to some people who flagged down a known drug dealer in the area named Stanka, S-T-A-N-K-A. Police have since identified Stanka as Derek Perkins, who was later arrested for improperly disposing of Millard's body, among other crimes. Millard, Perkins, and another person get into a light blue Toyota Camry and head in the direction of South Baton Rouge. 4.24 a.m., Millard is last seen alive on surveillance video at a Circle K on Nicholson Drive, where he and Perkins make a pit stop and strand two people who are with them at the store. Keep in mind, this is a guy, a businessman, a guy, wife, kids, business trip to Baton Rouge, and he's hanging out at 4.30 in the morning with a bunch of strangers at a Circle K. At some point shortly thereafter, witnesses told police that Miller died of an overdose at a home on East Washington Street. Perkins then allegedly wrapped his body in plastic wrapping in a rug before disposing of the body several days later on Ontario Street behind a funeral home. 9 a.m. of February 23rd, Miller's client calls police to request a welfare check after he doesn't show up to a meeting or respond to messages. At some point during the day, Miller's wallet and phone are found on the ground several blocks from his hotel. 11 a.m. February 23rd, Perkins uses Miller's ATM card at an a.m. mart on Highland Road, according to the warrant. All right, so we now move up to March 5th. So from February 23rd to March 5th, roughly 10 days. 12.50 a.m., surveillance video shows the blue Toyota Camry traveling down Ontario Street near where Millard's body is later found. March 6th, 3.30 a.m., Millard's body is found wrapped in plastic and in a carpet in a vacant lot on Scenic Highway about three miles from his hotel and the pub after a passerby reports a foul smell. March 7th, 4 p.m., police release autopsy reports finding that there was not internal or external trauma to Millard's body, and at this point, there's no indication of foul play. Police said the final determination of how Millard died is pending toxic, uh, for toxicology reports. March 9th, detectives obtained phone records from Perkins, which link into the Circle K where Millard was last seen alive, as well as to, look, as well as to the location where Millard's body was found. March 11th, Police put out a bolo, be on the lookout for Perkins, who they say is needed for questioning in the Millard case. He's also wanted for a probation violation, criminal damage to property, three counts of access device fraud, and authorized use of a motor vehicle. March 13th, 5.15 p.m., Baton Rouge police, so that's a week ago, Baton Rouge police are notified about a vehicle fire. Investigators responding to the scene determined it is a light blue Toyota Camry matching the description of the one Perkins was driving. The location of the fire is approximately one block east from where Millard's body was located. 11.24 a.m., police execute a vehicle search warrant on the Camry. A canine cadaver dog gives a positive alert to the smell of human decomposition in the trunk. 1.30 p.m., once again, March 13th, a search warrant is executed at Perkins' house, which is the same home on Washington Street where witnesses say Millard died. Police find a roll of plastic sheeting that appeared to be consistent with the plastic used to wrap up Millard's body. Perkins is arrested and later charged with unlawful disposal remains, criminal damage to property, obstruction of justice, and failure to seek assistance, all felony crimes. That is one wild 
And of course, very unfortunate uh, business trip that Nathan Millard ended up going on. How do you go from a business trip and being at a pub with a client to end up being so drunk that you're hanging out with an unidentified man and getting into the car with strangers and turning down help from a security guard and then seemingly dying from a drug overdose? How does it all go so bad so quickly? Um, this is why I said before I read all of that, to really, I think, understand all of this, would really have to know more about Nathan Millard. This, so this is, you know, this is a perfect example of how so many times in the last couple of years I've been saying that disappearances are not about circumstances. We just heard all the circumstances. But it seems like we're more confused than ever. What we need to know to really understand this disappearance is regarding the person. How does somebody like Nathan per- Millard was he an addict already? Was he an ad- was he somebody who was covering up something, maybe from everybody, including his wife and children and friends and business partners and everything else? Did he have a problem? Was he an alcoholic? Did he have some sort of mental health issue that would cause him to do this? Um, even turning down help from somebody who, you know, is offering to help him. He chose to go with strangers instead of going with the security guard. And it doesn't seem the least the way this explains it. It doesn't seem like this person who was with Nathan was trying to keep him away from the security guard. You know, was trying to control Nathan in any way. It seems that Nathan made these decisions all on his own. Now, he might have been drunk, but... Because, you know, I, I could only try to put it you know, in, in my own life that, although I really, although I go places, I don't necessarily go on any business trips, but if I go places, I mean, all of you know me by now, I don't drink, never done drugs, not 420 friendly, none of that stuff. I don't have any mental health issues, none of these things. So the odds of me getting caught up in a situation like this are like zero. But it seems to me that there must have been something going on in Nathan Millard's life that would cause all of this. Something was going on with him, especially when he makes this comment. I even have it in my notes when he asks, well, I need something to make me feel better, quote unquote. Um. just um you know uh you just don't expect that <laughs> of course you know what this kind of reminds me of although in some ways it's different remember going back to the disappearance of jesse ross and where he disappeared from chicago he was staying in that particular hotel and maybe some of you remember that someone else another guy had disappeared from that same hotel i think before Jesse went missing. You remember that? Does some of you remember that? Forget the guy's name. Maybe it was even after. I think it was before though. And he was also in Chicago on a business trip. And somehow he ended up in the Chicago river deceased was also at a bar 
you know, for, you know, drinking and doing this and doing that supposed to be a really good guy and everything. And all of a sudden he walk, he leaves that bar all by himself and somehow he ends up dead in the river. This kind of reminds me of that. And so I start thinking, you know, did Nathan have, I'm not saying that Nathan planned to die on this trip, but was this trip that he was on um, some way to kind of uh, break out and do some things that he had never done before? It's all very difficult to understand, but that's why it would help if we knew um, you know, a little bit more about, about Nathan, um, to try to understand all of this. And, you know, and I also think that there may be, a, even myself in, in, in talking about the story, maybe there's a little stereotyping going on that a guy, a family guy, married kids, you know, that type of person wouldn't do this. Well, Maybe, you know, I shouldn't get caught up in all of that, you know, because it's just as easy to say that even looking at myself, well, you know, you know, could flip it around. Ed Denso is single. He's never been married. He has no kids, you know, but I have no criminal record, uh, you know, or, or anything like that. I am a very, very, very rare I'm a, in a very, very, very small demographic of people. To be 52 and to have no kids, to never be married, and to be, you know, and and I know this also falls into it too, to be a straight guy. Um, that's a really, 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 really small demographic. Because usually when you find out that, you know, there's a guy that he's 52 and you know, doesn't have any kids. You're thinking, well, he must have maybe he was in jail for a long time, or maybe he's really been in and out of the hospital, or maybe he has some really mental health issues and everything. And of course, I have none of that. So we can't, I guess, stereotype people because surely even my description of my own self, you know, goes against the type of what you might think of somebody in their early 50s and, and everything. So we just need to know Nathan Miller more, but I, I have to admit, if, if this is really what happened, it's still not necessarily foul play, but it's certainly more bizarre than I thought. It's certainly more out of the norm than uh, I could have ever predicted. I, I don't think that I'm surprised that he probably died of an overdose, but all this other stuff, hanging out with other people, going to the Circle K, going to the bus stop, going here, going there, and leaving people behind and everything, I could have never predicted any of that. So what's everybody else? Uh, what is everybody posting in here? Um, Stitching says I got tracked down all because of me and my mouth. Yeah, sometimes that, those things get us in trouble, Stitching. I know the feeling. Uh, Carrie says the way he was found, it was certainly hokey. Who wraps themselves and alive themselves? I don't know. Uh, Carrie says, freaking circle case. Uh, yeah, uh, it goes back to my 7-Eleven days, Carrie. Uh, Valerie, oh my God, legit never been to a circle K in my life, except then it was a weird experience with the staff. Don't have many circle Ks in Florida. That was kind of a Vegas thing. That was 7-Eleven's main competition 
back in the day in my 7-Eleven days, uh, late 90s at 7-Eleven. Carrie, tell me you can't prove murder without telling me you can't prove murder. All about the easy conviction. No. uh, The way this description sounds to me, Carrie, uh, it seems to me that Nathan was looking for a good time. And yes, please, everybody, please give this video a thumbs up as you are watching. Cherie says, I think Nathan needed a break and he wanted to, he went overboard on the first opportunity I actually got. I maybe have a good example of that here in a moment, Sharif. Uh, Lisa, thank you. I uh, should have mentioned if you'd like to monetarily contribute during tonight's live show, that's what Lisa's done and that's what Veronica has done twice. And thank you so much. Uh, all you have to do is hit the little dollar sign uh, at the bottom under the chat if you'd like to monetarily contribute thank you uh, so much and look at the little little person blowing the little heart there that's so cute veronica rockford the thing about nathan is it could have been just an unlucky night he gets too drunk he's gregarious and sloppy when he's drunk and that's it i think there's more to it but it could be that simple um veronica says i wish you could cover todd guybe's case really um weird one uh was that a disappearance or a murder or what was it uh veronica you will have to tell me i used to work at a circle k graveyard shift in tucson arizona that sounds scary stitching uh when i worked at 7-eleven in my training phase i worked the night shift at two 7-elevens one on sunset uh road down in henderson and i also worked uh, that one's not there anymore and I also worked the graveyard shift at a 7-Eleven at Tropicana and Decatur. Wait. Decatur. Tropicana and Decatur. It was Decatur and something. Was it Decatur and Jones or? No, it must have been Decatur and Flamingo. The bo- the, the intersection of Decatur and Flamingo. Scary. Scary, 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 scary graveyard shift at that place the other one wasn't so bad because it was down in a you know kind of a higher end area the one on sunset road but that one at tropicana and wait was it decatur and flamingo uh on the what would that have been the southeast corner of the intersection uh scary just as scary as you can imagine it Scary. Um, uh, stitching. Uh, Rockford says, The Jesse Ross cave seems so straightforward, but that detail about the missing CDs bugs me no end. Anybody recall the name of the other Chicago disappearance to which I'd referred? I do not. Yeah, somebody please look that up. Like I said, I think it was before Jesse went missing. Carrie says, Arizona Circle Ks are my nemesis. Uh, Gannon's, uh, stepmom is going to trial, uh, Gannon's, okay. I know that's something that Shree, uh, was following stitching. Veronica drowned, but found standing straight up. Don't think he was in the water 21 days standing up that long. Huh. That is weird. Uh, was the out there too? Uh, was out, okay, stitching. Yeah. Okay. So jury selection started today for the Gannon's, uh, murder. Okay. So that's Nathan Millard. It seems like they caught the person who put his body where it was found. I don't know, but the way it's all described here to me, uh, 
does not sound like uh, necessarily murder. I'm not sure there was an intent to kill this, uh, to kill Nathan. It seems Nathan uh, got what he was uh, looking for that night. Why he was looking for it, I don't know. Uh, Let's go on to move to this uh, story that uh, somebody already mentioned about the Def Leppard drummer getting attacked. Of course, I have to talk about it. Def Leppard, one of my favorite bands of all time. I've seen them. How many times have I seen them? At least twice. Saw them with Kiss. Saw them with Sticks. So I guess it's twice. Yeah, I've seen Iron Maiden three times. I've seen Kiss twice. I've seen Def Leppard Leppard twice. Okay. But if you don't know, uh, the drummer for Def Leppard only has one arm. And that is due to a car wreck that he got into in 1984. Their album Pyromania came out in 83. They went on tour and then on break during the tour, uh, he was in a Corvette. He was in England. He was, uh, wasn't alone. I think he was with a girlfriend or something and got out of control. And they tried, spun it around, flipped it. His arm was still attached. They tried to save it, but they couldn't. And in fact, to save his life, they had to cut the arm off. They left his arm on. They were afraid that the rest of his body would have been infected. So... He is a one-armed driver for Def Leppard. He was with them for, for everything since Hysteria uh, and everything. You know, you know that he's been their only drummer since they've figured out a way electronically and everything to do that. But they're on tour now, and in fact, they're on tour again now with Motley Crue. And I hope to maybe see them. We'll see. But he got attacked right here in Florida last week. And let me read the story to you, to you. Rick Allen, the legendary drummer from Def Leppard. He is, by the way, a Hall of Famer. Def Leppard is in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame now. Broke his silence nearly one week after being attacked outside the Four Seasons Resort in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. The 59-year-old music, musician expressed gratitude for the overwhelming support Following the unprovoked attack last week, when Max Hartley, 19 years old, allegedly knocked him over near the valet stand while Alan was smoking a cigarette. Alan was injured when he hit his head on the ground. We are focusing on healing for everyone involved. Alan continued, we ask you to join us in our effort to move from confusion and shock to compassion and empathy. We understand this act of violence can be triggering for so many people. Upon witnessing the attack, an unarmed woman came to Alan's defense and was then also attacked by Hartley, who then knocked her to the ground and began began repeatedly striking her. She was able to return to the hotel and was followed by Hartley. He then allegedly pulled her hair and dragged her outside before fleeing the area. Police later released 911 audio tapes, tapes that led to Hartley's arrest. In the first call, a woman working security for the Four Seasons caught around three minutes after the alleged attack. Apparently a guest, some guy assaulted her and was actually beating her up in front of the front of the building. The woman told dispatch, adding that the female victim was in the lobby of the hotel, but the suspect had fled. She didn't mention Alan. Another Alan, another frantic caller who said the suspect was trying to break into his restaurant, the Wine Garden, which is near the Four Seasons, told 911, send the police here right now. I'm sitting on an effing suspect. A third caller from the nearby Conrad Fort Lauderdale Beach Hilton said, I have an individual who has been running around breaking windows and has beat up a couple guests at the Four Seasons as well. He added that the suspect was allegedly very highly intoxicated. 
Authorities later found Hartley damaging vehicles in a nearby parking garage. To all the fans, veterans, and first responders in our global community, community, we are thinking of all of you, Alan wrote. Together with love, we can get through these difficult times. Rick Allen and his wife, Lauren Monroe. Following the attack, Allen gave a statement to police requesting prosecution for Hartley. Police noted in the report that the victim had lost his arm in 1984. Allen was involved in a near-fatal car accident that year that took his left arm afterwards. He had to reteach himself how to play the drums. I think, uh, you know, this is how quickly I guess these things can happen. Even when you are a rock star, you're on the road, we know how um, rock stars have all their security around them. They have their private planes. They have their private buses. And, you know, access is really restricted to them and everything else. This is how quickly something like this can happen. And if I, my first recommendation to Rick Allen would be, you stop smoking those cigarettes, this wouldn't happen. Of course, I'm saying in a jokey way, come on, Rick, stop the smoking. But um, I think what's clear from this is that it doesn't seem like this was a targeted attack. I think it seems that anybody had been there, that's who would have gotten attacked. I don't think that it was because uh, Rick Allen was Rick Allen. I don't think that this 19-year-old, in fact, this 19-year-old, let's just be honest, might never even heard of Def Leppard. Uh, even myself, as big a Def Leppard fan as I am, except noticing that the guy wouldn't have one arm, I don't know if I could pick Rick Allen out of a crowd. I can see his face and everything, but in a crowd, that'd be a little difficult. So I think what we're saying here is I think this was just a random attack. However, it very well could be that the reason this 19-year-old attacked Rick Allen is because the kid saw that the guy only had one arm and thought, oh, this is easy pickings. Certainly possible. But I don't think this happened because the kid said, oh, this is some rock drummer uh, and I want to go make a name for myself. Surely not, because as you heard, after he did this, he fought this woman. He got into with some other people. He's breaking windows. He's going to a parking garage, vandalizing and everything else. This was uh, one heck of a role that this kid was on. But this reminds all of us, you never know when these things can happen. Head on a swivel. Head on a swivel. I uh, Maybe there's there probably is video of this somewhere. I don't know if it'll get out or whatever. Being that it's a hotel, there had to be security cameras there. But did he surprise Rick? Did Rick see him coming? Did Rick like try to reason with him before the kid attacked him? I, I don't know. But have to keep your heads on swivels. Uh, no matter where you are. Of course, here in Florida, we uh, are permitted to carry guns on us. And I'm not saying Rick should have. Uh, he's not an American citizen, I don't think. Um, of course, some rock stars are born in other countries and then get American citizenship for tax reasons, all sorts of different reasons. But, um, you know, this kid is, I, I think what I want to say about this 19-year-old being that this was Florida, he's lucky he didn't get shot. Very, very fortunate. Uh, Surely, dare I say it, if this would have happened to me, he would have been shot. Or at least gotten maced. Like, I carry that with me, too. He would have at least gotten that. So, and, you know, beating up a woman and everything, just, just horrible. Just horrible. But 
rock stars and regular people, everybody in between. This could this could have gone way worse. Now, like it said, Rick Allen hit his head. He's gonna. It sounds like he's gonna be fine. Um, but we know how these head injuries can go. All of a second, you're fine. One second, you're fine, and the next second, you got brain swelling and you're going into a coma. Especially if you go backwards and hit your head like this. No good. This this way, not so bad. This isn't gonna feel good either. It's going back like this. You know that. You know, hitting and then snapping like this. Of course, Dale Earnhardt died the exact opposite way. Uh, his when he hit, his head went forward like that. And they've changed the rules in NASCAR because of that. Head injuries. I even saw. Speaking of head injuries, watching a disc golf tournament this past weekend. Uh, I have a subscription to Disc Golf uh, Network. A cameraman got hit right on the top of the head. Some guy called a threw a big, what we call a spike shot. So you throw it like way up in the air. So the, the, the disc is coming down almost straight down, came down right on, uh, and there's video of it, came right down on his head. Bleeding and everything. They took him to the ho- hospital just for precaution. He's going to be fine. But these discs that we use in disc golf are weapons. They're not, you do not want to get hit anywhere with one of them at any type of speed. You just don't. They're hard plastic. They fly fast. And I was watching when it happened, and I even let out a whoa when it happened. Because luckily I've never been hit by one. I've seen people get hit. Nothing that bad, but it's no good. It's no good. So let me move on now to another... Here's another uh, kind of story that I found. Uh, let me see what everybody's saying. Um, um, Carrie says, Michael Turney's trial got pushed again, so I guess it's not happening in April. Lisa says, I saw Def Leppard in 88 at Kansas State University. That probably would have been on the uh, Hysteria Tour, Lisa. Stitching, well, you know, Leilani is now asking for bail hearing. Kathy Rockford, this is the first I've ever heard of another Chicago man disappearing. I believe in the CDs. Red herring has nothing to do with that. Okay, Kathy, Charlotte, that was so sad about Rick Allen. The guy should be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. True. <laughs> Angelic says, what an outstanding uh, citizen. I, I feel your sarcasm, and Angelic. Rockford, yet plenty of men end up in Lake Michigan or the Chicago River for all kinds of reasons. I'm interested in the ones that stand out. Ross was intoxicated. How much? Hard to say. The CDs. Hmm. Rockford says CDs probably a herring, but they should have been found. I'd bet that he ended up in the lake, but it's also odd that his body wasn't found. That's true. Sheree says, my coworker's husband had a scary head injury this week, too. Very strange behavior. You told me about that, Sheree. It's not to be messed with. You know, I even, you know, I even know for myself, given that 99.99% of the time I'm alone, you know, by myself in my life, that head injuries are one of those things that I really, really look to avoid uh, because of that. I don't you know, uh, it very well may be, you know, I live long enough living by myself that. Uh, I have a heart attack and people are like, where's Ed? And, uh, you know, somebody finds me and I've been dead for a week or something that may happen in my life. 
But one thing I do try to avoid are head injuries. You know, and can't do anything about the heart attacks and things, but the head injury, you're just walking around and you don't know what you're doing. Got to avoid that being that uh, I'm always by myself. Kathy Rockford, if Jesse was trying to promote his CDs that night, he couldn't have done much promoting at 2.38, 3 a.m. Almost all our found isn't 100%. You know, okay, good discussion going on there between Rockford and Kathy about Jesse Ross. Let me read you this crazy story. Witnesses looked on in shock. As a bound and beaten man crawled out of the trunk of a car that had crashed into a Seattle home and burst into flames, police said. The 63-year-old alleged kidnapped victim said he was slashed, roughed up, then thrown into the trunk of his car, but broke free when his captors crashed into the home. He was beat up pretty bad. They had cut his face with a knife and had him beat up pretty badly, witness Reagan McKibben told uh, Channel 5. The crash happened at around 5 a.m. Thursday in the Ravenna neighborhood. A screeching noise and then the most sickening crunch neighbor Cheng Yu recounted to Channel 5 and what he heard when the car crashed. Brooks Marrow said he and his children were home when the car slammed into his home, and he rushed the kids and family dog out of the house when he spotted smoke coming from the car. The kidnapping victim was seen exiting the trunk of the car during the incident, and McKibben assisted the man across the street from the crash. The Seattle Fire Department responded to the scene and extinguished the flames. Police said the 63-year-old victim was taken to a local hospital and treated for non-life-threatening injuries. The alleged driver or other passengers were not immediately located. The victim reported to police that he was assaulted by several suspects before he was bound and forced into the trunk. They said that uh, the kidnapping did not appear to be targeted. An 18-year-old male who matched a description of a suspect provided by the victim was questioned by police and ultimately, re- ultimately released. No other suspects were located, Seattle Police Department reported. Tell you what, this uh, kidnapping victim is very lucky that his kidnappers couldn't drive. I, As we all know, this is one of those things you, I, I hope you, regarding unfound, of course, you learn a lot about disappearances, but also I think what we can learn from covering all these disappearances is how to avoid going missing, how to avoid being kidnapped, how to avoid being abducted, how to avoid being a victim and all of that. And But we all know it's bad news when you get thrown in the in a trunk of your own car. Or anybody's car. That is bad news. And one of the rules uh, about, uh, you know, if you are attacked or something, do not allow yourself to be taken to another location. Don't do that. The odds of you being murdered go up exponentially if somebody or group manages to get you into a car, into a truck, into a van, and take you away. And so this guy, he very could have easily ended up dead. Very, very easily. Now, why, you know, why did they run into it? Could these people not drive? Were they, were they high? Were they drunk? Why did they run into this, this house? I, it doesn't sound like they were getting chased by the police or anything. So I don't know why they ended up running into this uh, house. But it seems, though... 
that they had plans to abduct somebody because it says that this guy was bound. So it wasn't like they just happened upon this guy and like threw him into the trunk of his own car. It sounds like he was tied up or taped or something. And by the way, this is one of those reasons on, you know, for cars that have been made, what, in the last 25 years, maybe for any of them that had trunks, that's why you have that latch inside the trunk. That's why it's there. If you ever open your trunk now, of course, on SUVs and things, that's not relevant. But the vehicles, cars that have trunks, you know, self-contained trunks, you open up your trunk on a newer car and you'll see, I know my Sonata has it, there's a little latch there. That is in case you get put in your trunk. That keeps people from being able to lock you in your own trunk. If you have an opportunity to pull that latch and get out of there. And in fact, if you ever look at the latch on him, it's latch. It's just like this little diagram, pull latch and then run away. It shows a little figure like, you know, running away from the car. This is why these types of situations, like I just read this article, that's why. And maybe they knew that. Maybe that's why they bound him up so he couldn't get, of course, I don't know what kind of car it was, but this guy's lucky he's alive. Very, very, very scary um, situation. But, you know, it's it's bizarre enough that a car runs into a house. And I've seen a few of those in my day. <coughs> um, I've never done that, but I've seen I've seen you know, the results of that. Uh, but then for somebody to pop out of the trunk, you know, that is that is unique. Um uh, Rockford and Kathy going back. Uh, what is happening in this country? I don't know, Angelic. I'm probably the last person to ask. Rockford and uh, Kathy continuing to go back and forth about Jesse. That's spectacular. Charlotte says, I can't remember, but have you covered any Native American missing persons cases? I have. If not, would you in the future? I have. I've covered a few in Canada, and I've covered uh, a few in the United States. Austin Pivo. Uh, to name one, of course, we know that unfortunately he was murdered, but that's the first one that comes to mind. But we've covered a few here, always looking to cover more. Uh, the big issue, Charlotte, is sometimes it's a little difficult to uh, track down family members, to be honest. Uh, Emily and I have talked about that, although re not recently. That has certainly been a topic that Emily and I have discussed a couple times. Um... Yeah, Mackie Basil to name three, right? There you go. Okay, thanks, Rockford. Agree, Allison. No, instead of there, go back uh, talking about Jesse Ross. Okay. Uh, update on the Brightigan murder. Remember, this is uh, this Microsoft executive who um, was going through some sort of custody battle. There was a tire in the middle of the road. He went, got out to remove it, got shot. While his uh, child was in the car, remember that? And I talked about a couple months ago that somebody has been charged. Well, somebody else has been charged now, so I'm going to read this article to you. The state's attorney off, state attorney's office announced Thursday, so four days ago, a new arrest in the shocking murder of Florida father of four, Jared Breidigan, who was gunned down in front of his toddler more than a year ago. Melissa Nelson, the state attorney for Florida's 4th Judicial District, 
And Jacksonville Beach Police Chief Gene Paul Smith said at a press conference that the husband of Bridegan's ex-wife, so the second husband, has been charged in his slang. Mario Fernandez, 35, the second husband of Bridegan's ex-wife, Shanna Gardner Fernandez, was arrested Thursday morning in Orlando by agents with the Bureau of uh, the ATF and officers of the Jacksonville Police Department. A judge signed the arrest warrant for, for, for Fernandez moments after Henry Tenon, Tenon, Fernandez's former tenant, pleaded guilty to fatally shooting Bridegan as part of a plea agreement. Tenon 61 has agreed to testify truthfully against those he worked with to murder Jared Bridegan. Nelson told reporters at a press conference held at the state attorney's office in downtown Jacksonville. Tenon's cooperation has been corroborated as both corroborated evidence collected during the collected during the investigation and provided additional evidence against Mario Fernandez Saldana for his role in the planning and execution of Jared's murder. Tenon was charged two months ago with second degree murder, conspiracy to commit murder, accessory after the fact, and child abuse for his role in the slaying. Fernandez was indicted on charges of second-degree murder with a weapon, conspiracy to commit first-degree murder, solicitation to commit a capital felony, and child abuse. If convicted, he could face the death penalty. Remember, this is Florida. Nelson said the investigation remains active and ongoing. It has not stopped today with the arrest of Mario Fernandez. I guess what we're saying is who hasn't been charged yet? The ex-wife. Just like uh, for... Uh, that that murder that we talked about in the pan in the panhandle floor, Dan Markell. A lot of people have been charged and gone to jail. The person who hasn't, his ex-wife. Brightigan, 33, a software developer for Microsoft, was shot to death on February 16, 2022, a little over a year ago, in an affluent suburb of Jacksonville Beach. He was ambushed in front of his then two-year-old daughter, Bexley, when he stepped out to, of his car to move a tire that had been strategically placed in the road. Fernandez's arrest warrant released Thursday revealed disturbing new details. Bullets struck the interior of the vehicle in close proximity to where Bexley was strapped in her car seat. Minutes earlier, Bridegan had dropped off his 10-year-old twins he shares with Gardner Fernandez at her home after taking them to dinner with Bexley. Bridegan's widow, Kirsten Bridegan, flanked by his brother Adam Bridegan, read a brief statement Thursday at the press conference. We have great relief knowing that two of the people behind my husband's murder are now behind bars and are no longer a threat to our family. We're also still angry, she said, describing the immense loss for her and their two children, Bexley, three, and London, one. Angry that our youngest, who was six months at the time of the death, will have no memories of her father. Angry that there will be no new memories. Charging documents allege that Tenen conspired with at least one accomplice, for six weeks to plot the cold-blooded killing that left four children without a father. At the time of the shooting, Tenon did odd jobs for Fernandez <coughs> and lived in one of his rental homes in Jacksonville, which was later sold. Sold. Tenon deposited three handwritten checks from Fernandez, but the heavily redacted warrant didn't, doesn't indicate when these were written. Gardner Fernandez, the ex-wife, and Bridegan had an acrimonious divorce in 2016 but they continued to battle over custody of their twins and finances until his death. A tattoo parlor staffer said that shortly before the divorce, Gardner Fernandez asked if he knew anyone who could shut her husband up. Gardner Fernandez, the son of a wealthy Mormon family who owned a multi-million dollar papercraft company, later admitted to making the statement in an interview with a local newspaper. 
She met Fernandez in 2018 in a CrossFit gym where he worked in maintenance, the warrant says. Amid mounting public scrutiny and after hiring a prominent criminal defense lawyer, Gardner Fernandez moved 2,800 miles to the Pacific North, Northwest late last year. Uh, Fox News Digital exclusively reported that her parents used an LLC to secretly purchase a $1 million home for her in West, West Richland, Washington. Once again, never trust parents when it comes to alibis or anything else. This is the big mistake that was made in the Steve Pankey trial. Fernandez was spotted in January squatting in front of his home and shaving his beard with an electric razor. Kristen Badigame. Kirsten Bridegan made a plea directly to Tenen after his arrest. Henry, if you get to hear this, please choose now to do the right thing. Please help us receive justice sooner than later. She tearfully told reporters at a press conference in January, please help us in this nightmare that we are living every single day. Relationships are a killer. I'm going to keep saying it. They're the cause, number one cause of murders, the number one cause of disappearances. And... You know, this is one of those things, as you hear from this article, and it was in other articles that I've read about uh, this murder. The sex wife, she had to want of nothing. All right, so she's she's having problems with her ex-husband. They're having custody issues. But she's not, I mean, she's still getting to see her kids. Obviously, she has plenty of money. She has a new guy in her life and everything else. And still, the ex-husband ends up murdered. Hard to understand. Now, you know, you know, I look at this from a guy point of view. That you know, here's what I think. I, I realize that I'm a single guy. I realize that I'm not very good at relationships, you know, and everything. I'm a good guy. I'm a moral guy and everything else. But, you know, I like my space and everything else. So, so it maybe is no surprise for me to say this. There is no way in H-E double hockey sticks that any woman or any person could ever get me to come even close to doing any of this. And it amazes me, you know, if we're just going to talk about heterosexual relationships, I'm not, I'm not gay, so I can't get into all that. I'm not going to try to explain all that because I'm, I'm not my territory. But there's no way I can ever understand how, you know, a guy could do this, you know, for his new wife, his new girlfriend, or even if she asked him to. There's just something within my makeup as a guy, and I think for most men, but the problem is there are many guys who do do this, who obviously may probably never did anything like this before. You know, we get back and we talk about like Dan Markell. I'm not inclined to believe that anybody who conspired to, to kill Dan Markell had ever actually murdered anybody before in their lives. Never conspired to hurt anybody, never conspired to kill anybody, never conspired to steal any cars or anything else. But somehow all these people got together <coughs> and decided that Dan Markell had to die. How does that happen? Just... And so for this, 
you know, I, I don't know whether I'm supposed to believe the, that the, the wife, you know, did she guilt, did she guilt her new man into doing this? Well, if you were a real man, you'd do this for me. I mean, that does, that, I mean, any woman who acts like this, that, you know, I would not be a fan of any woman who says something like that, but there are women who do that and there are guys who fall for it. You know, I'm going through all this stuff and you're just going to sit there and you're not going to do anything about it. This is what goes on. I'm inclined to believe this is what goes on behind the scenes in many relationships, straight relationships. Is that what happened here? Or was it that her man just felt totally bad about it? It was making him feel like less of a man. You know, he sees his... uh, her going through all of this custody issues and everything else. And she, you know, and he says, well, I want to do this for her. And he instigates this himself. We have to remember going back to the Dan Markell example. There's still no proof that his ex-wife had anything to do with it. And it very well be that her brother and others just did it on their own because she, they thought she was getting screwed in the custody arrangements. So... She's this woman. Neither woman has still not been charged yet. But you do. I do. When I read stories like this, I do wonder that did this guy get guilted into doing this or did he take it upon himself because he saw that the woman in his life was going through so much pain regarding this? But I, you know, I'm inclined to believe that a lot of guys, you know, when these things happen, they are gilded into it. And even for things that have nothing to do with murder or any, if you were a real man, you would dot, dot, dot. And that's probably why I'm single because any woman that would say something to me, I would be out. I would be gone. Um, <laughs> so there's that. Uh, the Carrie going back, asking about uh, native Americans in first nations People's uh, getting paperwork from a res- uh, reservation is seriously hard. It is. Um, Charlotte Laverta Sorrell, too. Yeah, that's right. She was Native American. Sheree uh, Sh- says Mario will turn on his wife and all three of them will go down. Let's hope for that, Sheree. Sheree's so similar to the Markel case. It's very similar, Sheree. For sure, for sure, for sure, for sure. Uh, Sh- Charlotte says that happened in the Tyler North case, too. Yeah. Okay. All right. So that's, I wanted to get to one more article, but I don't, I'm, I'm running out of time here. So we're just going to let it be for tonight. It was actually an article from the UK. And if you want to look it up, I'm just going to tell you what it is. The title of the article is it's from the guardian and it's just about people walking off. So, and what it is, they actually interview a couple of people or at least one person who actually walked off and disappeared for a while then came back. And they talked to this person, what was going through your head and, and everything. But then they also talked to the mother of a young man who walked off and went missing in the UK and England. And he was found a hundred miles away in a field. So please look that up. Uh, this is an article. It's from March 20th, 2023. It's in the, it's at theguardian.com, and it's written by Francisco Garcia. I think you'll very find it interesting. The subtitle is more than 170,000 people go missing in Britain every year. And we have to remember their population population is a lot lower than the United States. 
Uh, what drives them to leave their friends and family and what awaits them if they do come back. So please check that article out. All right, this Friday, we're going to do a first for this Friday. And that is Friday's guest is going to be a surprise. Uh, Sheree knows uh, who it is because Sheree is the one who arranged it. But this is going to be a, a surprise. It is not a disappearance this Friday. But Sheree went way out of her way, tracked this person down. And as soon as Sheree uh, told me about this, I says, oh, that's such a fantastic idea. But I'm going to, I interviewed somebody who is right at the center of the entire true crime community and has been so for a long time. And so I'm just going to leave it at that. It's going to be a little bit of a surprise. Now, this person who is the guest might be publicizing. I can't do anything about that. But uh, this is going to be a surprise uh, for Friday. And uh, I decided that when I did this interview, which was like a week and a half ago, it's a long interview. Uh, I like this person a lot. She loves to talk, and I was more than willing to let her. Um, so just going to get to listen to a person who, like I said, has been in the true crime community for well before true crime podcasting ever came along. And you know how much I love, you know, going behind the scenes of things. I love giving you some of the behind the scenes of unfound and, and other things. Um, this will be kind of one of those interviews as well. So I will leave you with that. But I already did the interview for next Friday's episode as well. So we're, we're a little bit ahead, and you know how much I love that. <laughs> so it's 11 o'clock Eastern. It's two hours, and I'm done. Thank you all for listening tonight. Thank you for showing up. Thank you for some of the questions, the, the comments. And I love when you talk amongst yourselves, like uh, Rockford and Kathy going back and forth about Jesse Ross. Very interesting. That's totally fine that that, that happens during the chat. And please remember to give this video a thumbs up. If you're listening as a podcast, give it five-star review or whatever your podcast application will allow you to do. And as Sheree says, keep your head on a swivel and you will hear me on Friday for... Uh, the episode with a surprise guest. Good night, everyone. Charlie, uh, say hi to the kids for me.